So I went to see the Avengers today. Uh, we had the class this weekend. Really good. Going to talk about that in a second. But ran over to the Avengers. Dug it. I got one rant to go on before I get into it. I am not a fan of this assigned seating BS at the movie theaters. Totally jacked up. Didn't work. It was like lame. So go to the movies this morning. Figure 11 o'clock. I didn't think I think school's out because there was a bunch of kids there. But I figure I'm going to go now. School's out. Shouldn't be a big thing. So I go there at uh, 11, 1130 this morning. And there's not really a line. And the parking lot was pretty empty. So it wasn't no big deal. And you have to pick your seat at the ticket counter, which is lame. And so I go up and like the entire auditorium is full except for like the two front rows you know, with your head up against the screen, which is not going to happen. So there was like three random seats and then the two rows in the front that, according to the seating chart, were empty. It's like, what the hell? I don't. So I'm like, I ain't sitting in the front. We're already here. I'm, I'm with two. There's two of us. So I picked the two random seats, okay? So I got like K5 and H23 or something, opposite sides. We walk into the theater it's freaking empty. It's like it's not even a quarter full. And yet the chart showed the entire thing was sold out. And so I'm like, we go up and there's like these three people next to the K5. And then there was two seats, my five, four and five. And then there was a, a kid and his mom next to me. So I'm like, well, if only one person is going to come. So I sit in my seat. I tell Kim, I'm like, get in this seat. And she's like, ah, I don't really know. I don't know if I want. I'm like, don't worry about it. If somebody comes, we can either see if they want to move to your age 23. It's a good seat on the aisle, the whole thing, right? It'll be no problem. Or if we have to, then you can get up and move. So we're waiting and waiting. And the whole time, everybody, anytime someone's walking up the steps, you know, she's nervous that it's going to be that person for that chair doesn't happen in fact the theater remained one-third empty the entire time but that bullshit up front was showed it full why do we need advanced seating why can't I just walk in take the two free seats that I want first come first serve be done with it why because it's stupid app shit because they want you to use their app they they want to eliminate they want you to do their job of taking the money and the whole thing. So instead of like them paying a cashier, you get the app, you do all this. And it was just, it's it made, you know, the first 15 minutes of going through previews and stuff, which no big deal. I didn't, we didn't watch them anyway, uncomfortable because we're totally expecting somebody to come up and want the seat. Fuck me. I hate it. It's like completely lame. If you know how many tickets you sold, the whole thing, that's all you need to know. But because of this whole app crap and they want you to run you, and do it remotely, do it from home. They're, they're trying to force you to do everything ahead of time. And the stupidest part of that whole thing is that even if you do it ahead of time, you still have to go in line. Like a guy came up to me, he's like, I pre-bought my ticket, do I have to go in line? And then the lady's like, yes, you have to get in line because they scan your barcode anyway. So it was like, what was the point of pre-buying a ticket if you can't just walk in anyway? You know, if you got to go up to the counter anyway to tell them you're there, you know, it shouldn't be an X until that person actually shows up. If you want to show up, then it's an X. But 
I don't know. It's just completely lame. It totally makes for this like, gee, can I sit there? Can I not? If you can't get a seat together. And so, but anyway, we enjoyed the end, you know, end game. It, it was good. It was long, you know, the whole thing. There was a bunch of little stuff. I think I need another showing, though, for sure, because there was so much. They threw so much at you, and some of it was pretty quick. So I kind of need to see it a second time. But I totally enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a Marvel fan. I like the movies. I like watching all the stuff. I got all caught up. They went in a couple different directions that I wasn't expecting, but for the most part, it was pretty predictable. But anyway, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. And I really wish I had Mike here right now. He had to actually go to work um, today. We, we Like I said, we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday class. Crazy mix of weather. And I think this may help a couple people. Um, but I kind of wish I had Mike to, to bounce a few things off because they, and, and we'll probably talk about this again uh, with him. Because there, there was a couple things that happened that are worth mentioning and we're going to mention them. But at the same time, I, I would like that kind of like validation, second opinion. Not that you probably need somebody to agree with me in that way, but it, it may help. Who knows? But anyway, so Friday. Friday, we, we, we do our eval, right? We got a fundamental eval. We show up. And the weather on Friday was gorgeous. It was actually like we couldn't have asked for a better day. But Friday's a bit of classroom. And, um, you know, so we do our classroom. And, and there's no getting around the classroom part. We all have to be on the same page. As I had mentioned, I think, in one of the other Frank on the Mic podcasts or something, I redid the Connex we use for a classroom. I kind of rearranged it. I cut that too big screen that I had purchased up and mounted just the screen part to the back wall of the Connex, slid some tables over, moved the chairs and everything forward. So I kind of made it actually feels roomier. And now I have more room to put a rifle up at the front of the uh, Connex there, the class, and I could talk about the rifle. It's important. I'm trying to reduce the classroom to the bare, bare essentials but at the same time, it's important to get everybody on the same page. And, you know, I want to educate people and get rid of some of the misconceptions out there and some of the things that that don't really. And, and it's good to have the the discussions with the students. And we had a full class. We had one guy who didn't come, but it was a, a full class. So that 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 made it nice. And it wasn't over full. Usually I want 10 people. And last year, most classes were 12 to 14. This one was uh, 10, and then the one guy didn't come, so it was 9. So it was really comfortable that way. But I need everybody on the same page. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at redefining and, and readjusting the presentation to reduce the timing. But we start off, we do the, in, in, um, the fundamental eval. I look at everybody, gave them the sheet. Then we go into the class, get everybody on the same page, from there, it's out, and we start off checking zeros, reps to fix the fundamentals, and, and that's the big key is, I mean, we had one guy in the class, Dave, and he was like the perfect candidate because he was every kind of on the fundamental eval wrong, you know, off to the side. I called him Captain Hook, his finger dug in, and, and he was one of the rare ones who actually digs his finger into the joint but then still doesn't follow through and tap the trigger so he was a nice, you know, kind of like canvas that need to be reworked. 
And so that turns out pretty good when you can rework a canvas and see. And he turned out to be an outstanding shooter and, you know, got some really great results with him quick. So it was that reinforcement of the fundamentals. Let's let's look at your trigger. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's get the body positions. Nowadays, it's not. It's really the people who don't pay a lot of attention who are hunters or guys who catch pieces and stuff or new to precision rifle who aren't crooked but or who are crooked most people nowadays if they're paying any kind of attention are pretty good being straight behind the rifle you're only fixing them a few degrees or two but um you know so that's an easy part and then kind of just running everybody through now so we do the first day, I do the reps at 100, and then I went with the gun sight model. I tried to do, the, I thought this was a good logical order of things. So we're shooting at 100, we re-zeroed you, we're doing our reps on the first day. Well, at the end of the first day, what I did is I did the 300-yard drop, right? So where you don't put any dope on the rifle, you have your 100-yard zero, I put targets up at three for everybody on paper, and then we measured their drop, just like I talked about with the gun sight for the software. And I figure for the most part, inside the 1,000 yards for tri-dope, it might not be a bad way to go. On top of that, it lets everybody shoot at the same time. So we're not going down the line, because normally I do the 800-yard truing bar. They get an 800-yard number. Then they could take that back to software and tweak it. This time I said, now nah, let's do the 300-yard drop. And... It worked out really well. I I don't know. We had one anomaly. I only had one guy where the drop wasn't exactly right, where it actually got redefined up a little bit. He had like a 12-inch a drop, and he probably only should have had like a 10-inch. So I'm not 100% sure how that one messed up. It could have been any number of factors. But overall... I thought it was good because it gave us an opportunity to do another group on paper to work those fundamentals and you're not changing anything by just having a hundred yards zero, but shooting 300 yards with it, you know, and, and we have that ability to do it. So that was our day one. Well, then finish the class, clean up a little bit and all that. I get in the car and I'm going home about 45 minutes outside of Denver and we're an hour or so uh hour and then I, it's an hour and 15 if you go to the range but it's an hour straight shot from Denver and it was 35 45 minutes in towards Denver all of a sudden I hit like this line of front wind sandstorms weather like Denver looked like a friggin war zone you couldn't see it it had the brown layer, and then it had dark clouds down to the ground. It was nuts. I was like, holy cow, we had, like, gorgeous weather in Fort Morgan. No hint of wind. No hint of anything. And then this front in Denver was nuts. And, in fact, it was so crazy. I mean, I've talked about the wind a lot, okay? I mean, and, and Mike and I mentioned, and I, like I said, I wish Mike was here because Mike's, like, at the end of this class, and, and actually on Saturday, he's like, dude— Screw them other dudes who talk. We are the wind gurus because we had everybody on the wind like it's nobody's business. So I've talked about Denver weather. Well, I get home that night and it's just, well, I mean, 35 mile an hour winds downtown. I guess it was up to 70 in Boulder in different areas. It was nuts and it was sandstorm. It was everything like all, you know, cats and dogs living together, all that stuff. We're stuff of the Bible. Anyway, um, 
So I'm up that night and I, I put the computer on and a guy actually flew into Wyoming. He's probably listening to the podcast. Hey, I saw your post. And he's like, low lights, no BS in me. And the wind in Denver. So he was coming into Denver, going to Wyoming. And, you know, he saw this just nasty, nasty weather that we had. So now I'm looking at it. In the first thing Saturday morning, which, of course, you know, Saturday morning, the winds are going to be those 24-mile-an-hour winds. And it's like, here we are. We're supposed to be getting dope. We're doing all this. So I'm, I'm home that night analyzing the weather. And I'm looking at it. And it says on Weather Underground, when I looked at the hourly for Saturday, like 11 o'clock, it was going to just drop down from the 24 30 mile an hour winds to 10. I'm like, okay, 10's fine. I'm, I have no drama with 10. But t- man, what do you do with 24 and all this? So sure enough, we get up there in the morning. Like most people, I had a whoopee in the car. Um, at Recon Sniper guys, if you guys are listening, I was wearing the tiger stripe whoopee you gave me. Beautiful man, worked out great. Blocked the wind, was super warm, but it was cold. It was windy. We, we had nine to 24 miles an hour. The average wind speed was 18. The gusts went 24 and above. The low was 9. Okay, so I always talk about dope the high, the average, and the low. You want two minutes on your Kestrel, and you want to look at these numbers. The high was 24. The average was 18. The low was 9. Those are giant swings. So I said to Mike, I said, ah, man, here's the deal. We're, we're, you know, first thing, we're not going to dope out. We're going to dope after lunch in the afternoon because we can knock it out in the afternoon, no problem. He said, we're going to do other drills. I worked them short range on paper. And one of the first things, because they got tri-dope now, right? So we did the drop test, 300 yards from the 100 yards zero, drop your thing, measure it up. Okay, go back, line that up with your software. That's your homework. Go line that 300-yard drop up, measure it in inches, look at your inch column, and get that inch column to match up to your inches, and, and then go from there and use muzzle velocity, which we did. So everybody should have tri-dope based off that 300-yard drop. Good stuff. So then I say dial on your 300-yard tri-dope. So everybody's got 300-yard dope on Now on that same three-inch shooting C that I put up the day before that we did the drop test on, now I want you to do a group at 300 and get it within the shooting C. So I did like three evolutions, maybe four evolutions at 300 on paper with groups. 308s were holding like a mill of wind. A 6.5 average 0.7, 0.7 to 0.8 mils at 300 yards. So here you're doing a 300-yard shot on a one MOA target, and you're needing 0.7 mil of wind for your 6.5, over a mil for your 308. Money, money to learn some wind stuff. So now we go right into wind lessons. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, we're going to use the wind target. I know that. But I don't want to go to steel yet because the wind was still crazy. So rather than playing the thing and doing all that, I want some more reps. I want some more stuff. So quickly, I take a piece of cardboard. I cut a little uh, five-inch 
circle out with some black paint and I go and I spray them five inch targets at 400 yards. Put them up paper, 400 on paper again, five inch, not quite a minute, you know, we do it again, do it again, fine tune their dope. Everything's good. We're fine tuned. From there, we go to our xylophone wind target. Let them visualize what we're looking at. I could not believe, I guess I could, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm lying. I believed it because I thought we had a good program and a good process. How many were on the white xylophone and nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. We did this wind stuff where I did the wind during the wind. I used it to my advantage this time rather than, and one of the things we had to do, the wind was so bad and it, it was ripe for that same wrecking the guns. Well, as soon as I had guys done, pick your gun up, put it on the bench, clean it out. So we didn't have the problems with guns. We only had the one Remington was having a tight uh, problem with his trigger. It was a stock Remington, stock Remington trigger. Uh, Ronson did out a couple times and it was good. But we kept bringing the rifles up, kept wiping them down. We kind of, we'd gone through this enough last year where I was ready and adapted to it. I had a plan ahead of time. Shoot, good, get it off the line, get it up, get it good, wipe it down, do this, cover it up, made guys cover them, kept people away, because if you walked or moved, the wind, the, the dust lifts up so easy now, and it's actually lifting up on its own, and when you watch it, the way it was coming, of course, it was coming from that right side again, so it's going to push the wind right into the chambers, so we made sure that we we guarded against it, it was, uh, it was funny, I predicted, like, I gave the brief in the beginning on Friday, you know, talking about the wind, talking about the sand, talking about the dirt. And I got an email from a guy, you know, any trigger I can buy that would prevent, you know, the, the, the malfunctions and the problems. It's like, no, you ain't getting around it unless you unless you're proactive on the whole system. No one trigger you can buy will help you with this this problem. The dust is too fine. There's too much of it. The wind's too much strong all day. There's really hardly any way to prevent it without being proactive and jumping on it every minute. So I had predicted, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, we're at the thing, the wind, the rain, the weather, all that. Watch out for that stuff. You know, sun, everything, mile closer. But then I'm like, watch for rattlesnakes. And I'm like, hey, man, if there's any kind of hunters, farmers come by, make sure we keep an eye out. Don't shoot any speed goats or the antelope or anything we see, you know. So I'm I'm giving a brief, all the different things from basically my brief is warning you from lessons learned. And end of the first day, we're, so Saturday's going money. We we got Saturday morning and it was like clockwork. 11, 12 o'clock, flick a switch. The wind dropped right the heck off, almost gone. The afternoon was gorgeous again. And we doped the rifle under like six to eight mile conditions, which is perfect. So these guys, number one, I didn't have to. I asked Mike, I'm like, did you find yourself not giving people dope? Because their computers, a lot were using Fordoff uh, Hornaday. And Hornaday released the Fordoff and the Kestrel Woohoo! If you didn't heard, Hornaday released it, so we were psyched about that. Fordoff Kestrel, less money, four ninety nine for a Kestrel with Hornaday Fordoff in it. You can companion it to the freeware. The guys were using the Hornaday, most of them, because when they call and they email and they sign up, we tell people Hornaday. If they ask what software to download for their phone, we'll tell them Hornaday or Traceal. 
Um, if they don't want to spend the money, Hornaday. If they'll spend the money, Traceal. Um, those are the two choices of apps that we want people to use. Of course, we have every app you can think of on the line from AB to Ballistics to Streelock to Hornaday. But most were using Hornaday on the line of this thing. Well, that 300-yard drop test and the fact that guys were using Hornaday ammo with the Hornaday app, their apps lined up really, really easy and really well without tweaking. Going back to Dave. Dave said to me, he's like, no drama. My my software lined right up, and he was on. And then we got their wind lined up, and we showed them what we're doing with the wind and how to determine the mile-an-hour gun they have. We did all that stuff on Saturday, and then they doped everything out. They were all within two tenths on their tri-dope, which meant we weren't having to throw numbers out for everybody's guns. Usually in a class, I got 10 people. I got to give 10 tri-dope because they don't know. And we try to get the software to a point where they understand it, but it's a student, it's new. They don't really get the, the software as much. They're looking for us to train them up on it. This worked out great. We had lunch to double check and tweak some stuff because we had a 675 yard number. We had a 300 and 400 yard number. And we were able to play in that zone, which is really just the muzzle velocity zone, right? Six and in, muzzle velocity, eight and out, BC. So we were able to line everybody up, get their mile per hour gun and and work the wind and get their dope. and, And it worked out fantastic. Then... That afternoon, we step off the, the decking, and sure enough, uh, Guy Colton there is like two-foot rattlesnake right there at the stairs. And it, we're like, rattlesnake right there. Like, watch out. And like, we were walking to go down range, actually. And he, like, jumped three feet in the air, and the rattlesnake was still a little sluggish, still cold. It's actually snowing right now in Denver. Um, so it was, you know, 75 degrees in T-shirt weather yesterday. It's snowing right now. Um, so there he like jumped three feet in the air. We had the snake, right? So that, that comes to win. The wind happens. Now the snake happens. So we had a really great Saturday. Good, good numbers, good dope, no struggle. People were shooting well. Everybody's taken to the lessons. We're just having a blast. It, it, it's looking good. Sunday, we, we, we come up in the morning and it's dead calm again, and everything's nice, and all this other stuff. We had some really good conditions. We're doing some drills, doing a couple games. Um, we had we had some stealth guys. I mean, there, there was some some guys in this class that had, you know, Tikas, Hawas doing fantastic work with these weapon systems. Accurate first round hits, second round. I mean, guys, we weren't wasting time. You know what I mean? It was just on, on, on. We were flying through. We got them out. Um, I got my guys out to 1250 on Saturday. And then Sunday morning we got up and it was like no mirage, good conditions and all that. So then we redid 11, 12, 13, 14 on Saturday morning. We ran some drills. We did some stuff. Saturday afternoon... There was this another front coming through and we hit this kind of crazy overcast lull where it was like perfect conditions. <laughs> so we look over at the mile because we had taken a, we'd taken a couple pot shots at the mile earlier, but it was kind of like miragey and, you know, there was it wasn't easy to see. 
And it was weird. There was a lot of a lot of these 308s and 6.5s. We had 308 and 6.5s in the class. Um, I didn't see any 6 millimeters or anything like that. 308 and 6.5 were the two. There was some cases where, like, we weren't getting any splash. And I'm like, damn, I was expecting the 308s to throw a hell of a lot more splash up. But it just didn't happen. So this front comes through, blocks the sun, calms down. We had, like, crystal clear conditions. We all jumped down a mile. I think just about everybody, all the six fives, I'm pretty sure got a minimum of three hits at a mile. I know I got a second round hit because when I, well, wait a minute, my thing, that acted weird. That might have been my headset. I don't know if that was my mic or my headset. Something sounded weird. But anyway, so it's like these conditions are so perfect. I ran over, grabbed my AX. I got my 308 AX with that new Lothar Walther barrel on it. I'm shooting 147 Hornadays that were in there. I dropped down next to one of the guys, and uh, this one guy, Dave, again, is shooting the mile. I get next to him, and I'm like, all I did was, and this is pretty funny, I turned the night force till it maxed out. So I have the attacker on there, and it maxed out like at 22 mils, okay? I turned it till it stopped. I brought it back to like, uh, I think I brought it back to like 21 and a half. I don't even remember. I don't even think I wrote it down. So I... Holding like right edge of plate, I fire a shot and it hits half, not even half, man. It was like right there. It it, it was crazy. It, it was just above and just over. I saw the splash. It was a good one. It was on the right side. Mike's calling uh, the spotting for us. And first round goes and it's just off the plate and I'm holding like edge. Uh, then I kind of come over, I come right on second round, I go right dead center, I hold on the plate, friggin' let it go, second round hit at a mile, uh, with that, just like ran, like I literally, like, like a little kid, ran over to my rifle, I got on my rifle, ran over, grabbed it, cause we're not looking up there, it's on the, like, we have our driveway, it's not a driveway, but the road that all the targets are on, and, and there's the left side, which is where we shoot, the right side goes 15, 16, and 7, it's 17, 75, it's not really a mile, but it's like 15, 16, and then the mile, so it's on the other side of the road, so we don't ever look over there normally, but when I did, and it was like really good, because I think Dave might have said, I was like, oh, I want to try that mile again, because we'll do the f- open shoot in the afternoon, I look over at it, and it was perfect, so I had to get it and had to go for it. So uh, I know uh, Anthony got three hits. He got two in a row, and then he got a third one a little bit after. Dave got his hits, and pretty much everybody who shot at it hit it. Um, and it was really just the six fives that can reach it. The, the 308s that were in the class were actually going under 2,600 feet per second. One was an OBR that was like 2,450, 2,500, and the other one was just a stock Remington that was like at 26. But the six fives all made it to the mile, no problem. Had a great time for conversations about transonic and that kind of stuff. And and why are so, you know, we shoot transonic so much now. And people are like, you know, well, gee, I thought that was like this bad zone in this gray area. And it's like, no, nah, it actually works. And, you know, everything transitions really well now. As, as the bullets get better, you know, we, we talked about the Hornet AA tips and, and you know, as bullets get better, they transition better. We're pushing everything faster now. You got to remember, back in the day, like a 300, or not 300, but a 30-odd six was like 2550, you know? That was considered the speed. 
and a case that big. Now we're doing 28 and up with smaller cases. So we're pushing stuff better. And so that's why we're doing so much better at distance and transitioning to transonic well. I mean, we're not necessarily overspinning stuff. We're, we're all kind of stuck in the one and eights and all that. Like nobody was doing like a one and seven or one and seven and a half. One and eights worked fine, but everybody was on it. It was a really, really good class. I was really psyched with what happened. And I liked the changes that I made. Um, I really dug the way uh, it flowed. It, it moved quickly. And, and by Sunday afternoon at lunch, we had pretty much completed everything that is on the paper. The rest of it is kind of filler. And we did some um, we did some games with people before we do the free shoot. We did a best of 10 with a lot of them. You know, how far can you go out? And we got guys that went out to eight, 900 yards out of a best of 10. And the conditions were, I don't want to say tricky, but the conditions were something you had to keep up on. We had so many conflicting changing in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. Another front came through the windstorms, the whole thing. And then it rained on us. We ended up packing up like three o'clock everybody. Cause it was just turned into complete ass, but we had, um, done everything that was scheduled to be done. And it would have just been the open shoot from three on, but the conditions turned ugly. We cleaned up and we ended up taking off. Uh, we were out of there by four o'clock or so on Sunday. And it was, it was just a number one, how well the class flowed. Number two, how did the students, you know, how well the students shot. We weren't, you know, constantly, we didn't wrench on any. We had one Savage in the class and it worked, but it's a custom one, you know, but that, so we didn't have to wrench on rifles, didn't have broken scopes. We had a few times, not quite great return to zero, but it's hard to tell if it's, we're tearing you down, right? So we're, we're when we're working with the fundamentals, it's a tear down of your old bad habits and a replacement with your new good habits. So now I'm, I'm, I'm you know, spinning you like a top and getting you to do some new stuff. And then you have to go and look at, you know, rebuilding, learning those reps that way versus the way you've been doing it for your whole life up until that point. You know what I mean? Because you think about this. We got people who are older, you know, a couple guys in their 20s, but most are 30, 40, 50 years old, right? So you got years of shooting, this way now you should come up frank and mike's class come to mile high class over here in colorado and we're like yeah all that you're doing not good let's do it like this now and try it to do it better so you have to fight that that's where that concentration comes in that's where we the, the reps on paper and focusing and not rushing people and then not just doing the Bank steel, go to the next one. Bank steel, go to the next one where you can kind of reinforce the bad habits because you're just focused on the hit. But if you do a group on paper and you're doing these reps and you see, I mean, we shrunk groups. If I showed you the, the first day's fundamental eval groups, they averaged about two inch and a half, almost two inches with some of them. You know what I mean? We had them all. They were shooting three quarter inch dots and filling the rounds, five rounds in these dots. They improved huge quick because we're, we're there. Tweak, 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 tweak. Another rep. Tweak, 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 tweak. Another rep. Tweak, 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 tweak. Another rep. And it's not just like, 
Well, that was not a great shot habit-wise, but I hit the steel, so who cares? But if you go down range and you see a group and it's, you know, three quarters of an inch and everybody else is a half inch, hey, man, we got to tighten you up here. You'll concentrate. You you want to stay up with everybody. And, and we find, hey, man, don't do that. Okay, don't fix that. Fix that. Fix that. Fix that. Where when you're on steel and you're spotting, paper lets me walk the line. I don't care what it looks like until I'm ready to look. And I can look at you. Steel... For the most part, I got to watch them or the steel. You know what I mean? Not them. I'm watching the steel, not you. So anytime I can default to that paper, it gives me more time to focus on you. And that gave me uh, Friday afternoon and Saturday morning to focus on them. And and I really, really like what I saw. I think it worked out really well. I'm going to incorporate some changes probably to Alaska. Um, minor you know, but that will work within the Alaska frame. And, and I think it's going to be good for everything. Uh, but really, really happy with everybody. I want to thank them all for coming out. Thanks, Mike, for all the hard work and putting that stuff out there. Oh, and then the herd of antelope come in, probably 10 of them come running through. And so it was like the predictions with the weather, the wind that came to pay, you know, to pass. And then we had the rattlesnake and then we had the speed goats and then, you know, so everything but like a, a, a power line worker came through, you know, so it was it was pretty funny that to be like, well, prediction A, prediction B, prediction C all came to pass. And so that was good. But no, I, I want to again, I want to thank all those guys. Uh, uh, you know, we had people from out of town, Utah, a uh, couple local guys and and it. Everybody was really, really high on it because they saw positive net results. You know what I mean? It wasn't this case of, yeah, they were cold the first day. It was kind of like the class last year. There, you guys who were listening, who when we wound up with that, where it was kind of unseasonally uh, cold, and and everybody's like, you know, freezing in the and so that first morning, you know, Saturday morning, people were, were were bundled up, and it was a lot colder than you expected. You know, but uh, it 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 worked because they, we were able to go back and forth and see the results on paper, and so it wasn't like you, you saw your groups shrinking. And the nice thing was the first groups at three hundred yards. When you go beyond a hundred, this is in 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 you know again I'm giving away the house here. It, it, this is the tips and tricks. You shoot a group at a hundred. You like your groups at a hundred. They're really good groups at 100. Go to two and three. They're going to get ugly fast. And we see that every time where a guy will shoot a half minute at 100 and shoot, you know, two minutes or more at two or 300. You don't shoot a half MOA at 100. It doesn't go, well, you shot a half minute at 100. It should be, you know, one minute at 200. No, it's a minute and a half. It's two minutes at 200. Go to three, it's three minutes at 100. You know, you're shooting a five, six-inch group at 300, but I'm giving you a three-inch shooting C as an aiming. When I was done at 300, I wanted at least three out of the five in that three-inch group. We averaged about four out of the five in that three-inch group. 
with some pretty stock, including the 308s, including a gas gun, um, you know, pretty stock rifles. We didn't have uh, a, a lot of Gucci on the line. RPRs, two of those. Uh, a Bagara, Tikas, two Tikas. And um, then the stock Remington and then the OBR, you know what I mean, as far as stuff like that. And then the Savage, which was a, got a custom barrel on the Savage or a Shillin or something. And then there was one Masterpiece Arms customed out. So we had two custom rifles. All the rest were factory and lower cost, you know what I mean? Not expensive rifles. So I, I, I don't think that this wasn't like a dollar, you know, dollar race. It, it was all your sub $3,000 budget stuff uh, that was being run except for those two custom sticks. And, you know, we're, we're, we were averaging half minute from these guys, and it was good. It was really, really good to see that. So that was a benefit of paper. That, that was benefit of uh, doing stuff the way we're doing. And, and like I said, I was real happy. I, like I, I want to talk to my, I think too, I mean, we call win really well for people. Well, yeah, we got win calls down. I mean, it, it, and it, it, I don't want to kind of say, but there's a difference between me standing behind you and giving you a win call saying, oh, hey, Frank, uh, what's up? What's up? Uh, put a half mil on a gun. Put a half mil. Okay, hold that. Center. Yep. Bing. Bang. Yay. But when you do it, when you understand what the wind's numbers look like, and they're using the exact data, we're we're not even talking the other stuff anymore. We're not even going near the other. I mean, I'm showing it in the PowerPoint, but I'm probably going to pull it and just redefine the wind portion of the PowerPoint to be just what we're doing now. Because it's easy for them to understand. It's easy for them to relate. They get it. We gave nobody win calls except corrections. You know what I mean? And they got it. They were close. Or first round or second round hit because they were close enough to make that easy correction. Nobody was out of the ballpark. And in my mind, I you know, it's hard to say until you, like a week later and you ask somebody. But... We had a lot of guys on the line and girl. We had a girl on the line, um, Fontaine. She was there making really good win calls because the win stuff, how we're teaching it, is really, really easy and quick to understand. And that's the thing is how can I translate my knowledge so you get it? And that, to me, is where, I mean, yeah, I can regurgitate all the wind stuff that's out there. Heck, I got, you know, I got a, wrote an iPad book on just wind. And I can regurgitate every formula. I can tell you all the rule of thumbs. I can, you know, this idea of buy a case of ammo and go shoot in it. Yeah, but no. How about learning, having a plan in a method that gives you valid information for that case of ammo. How about if I can get you up and running and understanding the wind with a box of ammo versus a case of ammo? A box, right? That's what I'm talking about, doing it that way. So... Putting that information out there so you get it, you understand it, you know where your rifle is, and you can look at this. I mean, when we're we we shot in eighteen mile an hour winds on steel on the xylophone target, that whole thing. 
guys were smacking a .2 wide plate at 675 in 18 mile an hour winds. When we started shooting this stuff and we were doing all the wind stuff, the average speed we use was 18, then it dropped a little to 15, then it dropped down to 12. Those were our average numbers we used and guys were nailing it. So the idea that, you know, somebody can call the win for themselves and do really well being a win guru that way. To me, the win guru is the one who can explain it to you and you get it quicker than any other way. And I saw that firsthand and I commented to Mike and Mike commented to me and it was like, it really, really validated itself. And it was, it was good to see to come at it like straight out of the gate, fresh with a new program. And it is kind of a new modified program. We've been doing it like Mike and I, especially with Mike and I, we've been doing the win this way and holding like separate win classes like we've talked about just in the podcast. But this time we just went straight to it. We didn't fill in all the other junk. And then we, we, we use that paper, we use that logical order, we use the conditions to our advantage to train people up. Shorter range, smaller targets, you know, that kind of stuff. We want you here, man. No, I get it. You would have hit that plate if it was a plate. But we want you to hit this. That plate's four minutes. This is one. Hit the one minute, and then we'll worry about the four minute. And then it's a give me. And that's exactly what we saw. These guys, I mean, you know, Chris there is making... He's making first round hits at a grand, 1250, 1325, 1440. We're getting first round hits in, even when the wind went down. When I say the wind was down, down was eight. They're getting first round hits without any help from Mike or I. Just because it's easy to do, it's easy to remember. We knew they had their elevation. That's a no brainer. Your elevation's good. Don't sweat it. Focus on your wind call. Books on the win. And boom, boom, boom. These guys are hitting it. I, I, I like I said, I, I, I know you, you, you don't know. It's hard to gauge because you get the feedback. They love it. Everything's this. But I just know in what I saw in the results, it really, really paid off. All this podcasting, all this talking, all the videos, all the crunching numbers, all the understanding what it looks like. On Sniper's Hide in the forum with getting multiple variations on it. Okay, this guy does it the same way, but he does it a little bit different. Yep, got what he's doing. Okay, where's our variables? Okay, every 2,000 feet density altitude is a mile per hour plus or minus. Okay, got that. Okay, where are we calling? What are we looking at? Dope it, go. And you know what? It works, man. It's successful. And, and I want, I, I, I'm really, really psyched about that. And so I'm going to crow about it a bit. I'm gonna, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I kind of can use a pat on the back for that one. I think it works out really well. But anyway, um, that's what's going on. Like I said, uh, I got to follow up with Chad. I got to get caught up with what's everything going on. I wanted to get this out to you. Hornaday, Fordoff, and a Kestrel. Hornaday, Fordoff, and a Kestrel. Wow. I'm going that way. I know I will be. That's going to be good. $4.99, dude. It's like $250 less than the other one. You know? That, that shrewd. Shrewd. For a 5700 with Ford off in it. Shrewd. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Wanted to knock this out and not leave you guys hanging. Got to go do a couple things. Getting caught up. I went to the movies today. I have an endgame. 
Should have went for the head. <laughs> right? No, it was good. Although, I would have liked a little more finesse on the final fights, you know? I, I would have liked a little bit more one-on-one -on -one instead of big picture battle. Oh, my God. Speaking of fights and big picture battle, not to be spoilerish or anything, freaking Game of Thrones. I like Game of Thrones, you know? And I think this season's probably one of the best to follow. But that black episode last night, I'm going to call it the black episode, right? The black episode. What the heck was up with that coloring, man? I get it. They wanted to be like anticipation, Jaws. You don't see anything. But, dude, once the once the, the surprise is there in your face and you're fighting it, let me see it. Holy cow, man. Twitter went out of its mind over the black, the black album, the black episode. It was freaking crazy with the... um. Just trying to figure out what the heck you're looking at, you know. But I enjoy it. I think it's going to be good and 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 good on area there, man. What what she had going on with with that stuff. She was hardcore. She was a fighter. But anyway, um, yeah, the black episode. So I'm spoiler free, but still enjoying it. We're having a good one. All right, guys, I am going to jump off here. Hope you guys have a good week. We'll be talking to you more. I got to go to Mile High tomorrow. The 224 Valkyrie barreled actions finished. I got the APO uh, bazooka, the bazooka green. It's the Noveski bazooka green. He, he, when they put mine back together, I had that demo rifle and the whole thing. They, they seracoded it, the bazooka green, and it's at Mile High right now waiting for me. So I got the APO gun to do a video and all that stuff on. I got the uh, Valkyrie barreled action so I can run that and not beat myself up. Because let me tell you what, between gun sight and some of this other stuff, my shoulder and neck hurt like a mother right now. That that's I'm still not quite recovered from the gun sight and the 300 Norma um, stuff. You know, the big stuff just really, really beat me up. I got to finish up the last little piece with the Desert Tech. That's going to beat me up one more time, and then hopefully I can recover. Booked all my stuff for Alaska. I'll be in Alaska this month. Um, heading off on the 16th. I'm going up that way. Got class starting. We're months. We, we started, we, we started out with four and we went to seven. Now we're at 10. So I got a, I got May to October. Now I got May, June, July, September, October for classes up there. That's how many classes we're doing in Alaska alone. That's a lot, man. That's a ton of classes. Hopefully it's all cool. All right, guys, have a good one. I will talk to you soon.